This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Hey, Bills Mafia. We know there's only one topic every day. All Bills, all the time. And now Matt Bovey and Sal Capaccio are going really deep. Talking Bills all year long. Because it's always game day in Buffalo. Well, the Bills come out with a uh, bit of a shocker on Tuesday morning. Leslie Frazier, it has been announced by the team, stepping away as defensive coordinator and coaching for a year. He's going to coach in 2024, at least that's the plan, but no certainty on if that's going to be what the Bills are not, or what his title is going to be if he ever even comes back to the Bills. So we're going to talk about it all right here. Matt Bove, Sal Capaccio, thanks for joining us here on It's Always Game Day in Buffalo. You can find Matt on Channel 7, WKBW-TV in Buffalo, and I'm on WGR. Matt, how did that news hit you on Tuesday morning? Well, it was a shock. It wasn't something that I was anticipating. We we always kind of had the door open to potentially a coordinator change, whether it was Frazier, whether it was Dorsey. But if it was going to happen, I thought it was going to happen a month ago. I did not think it was going to happen at the end of February as we're getting into March and really the offseason is starting to ramp up. So it really did surprise me. And it also surprises me the language that was used in like the official release from the team, basically saying that he plans to coach in 2024, but there was no mention that he plans to coach with the bills in 2024. There was right. also no mention that he plans to be a defensive coordinator in 2024. Mm-hmm. So my first read on this is this is a very mutual way of saying, thank you for everything you've done. We would never put you in a position where, you know, you were quote fired or let go or anything like that but we want to head in another direction. Once again, that is my read on this. Nobody is actually saying that, nor would they ever admit to that. But that is just my initial read from when I found out the news. And then after I took 10, 15 minutes to kind of think it over, I was like, okay, that's that's kind of what it feels like. At this point, I think I would be surprised if Leslie Frazier was ever the Bills defensive coordinator again. Agreed. I wouldn't be totally surprised if he was in the organization in some capacity. I agree with that. Before. Brandon Bean spoke to the media at the NFL Combine on Tuesday, an hour before the news came down. He said, Leslie sent him a text about a week ago saying, I'm not ready to retire, but I want to step back. All right. Before we get into what this means going forward, on the heels of what you said, I agree with you that this felt to me like it's a mutual parting of the ways. It's the best way to kind of put it without, you know, making Leslie Frazier look bad in any way. They don't want to do that. There's so much respect for him. But by him saying that, Brandon Bean, well, I mean, what that might be totally true. Like the, He said that, Brand, that, that Leslie Frazier texted him a week ago. I find it hard to believe they didn't know this might be coming, though. It's interesting. I, I, I wonder. I, I don't know. And again, I, maybe through those conversations, like, hey, Leslie, like, this is where we're thinking. And maybe they had these conversations. Then finally the official text came a week ago saying, yes, this is what I'm going to decide to do. 
Yeah, but I would have imagined that those conversations, like you said, I would have thought that there was a quote like deadline or there was like, hey, we need to know by insert date here. And I don't think that they would have said, okay, that's going to be the end of February. Because even if he texted him last week, I mean, we're still talking about February 20th, 21st, 22nd, you know, somewhere in that wheelhouse. So that's why it's a little bit interesting to me. Well, not a little bit interesting. It's a lot interesting to me. This one. It didn't shock me because I don't think it's a move that brings you to like the magnitude of a shock factor, but I did not see this coming right now. If you would have told me a month ago, Leslie Frazier was no longer the bills defensive coordinator. I would have said, okay, like I understand. But after we waited a month, we've probably said on the podcast, like sounds like they're running it back with Dorsey and with Frazier. And now it doesn't seem like that's happening. Here's the circumstantial evidence I'll give to say maybe they knew this was coming and this had been in the works. They hired Al Holcomb quite a while ago, yeah. or at least had been reported Al Holcomb was being rehired, was being hired. He actually was announced officially on Tuesday along with Leslie Frazier's departure. Um, to me, when that happened, immediately my antennas went up and said, wait a minute, senior defensive assistant, he doesn't really have a title. What's going on here? Are they bringing him in because he's going to take over Leslie Frazier. And then we're going to hear that Leslie Frazier is no longer the DC. And then it still took a while. So I didn't think that was going to happen, but that to me is the circle circumstantial evidence that maybe this had been known and they were working on this. And however it sorted out, they were just waiting for Leslie to kind of say, yeah, this is what I'm going to decide to do. Now, before we get on to the, like what's next factor here, because that is so much of the conversation. I do think that there is, even though I said, I don't believe Leslie Frazier will serve as the bill's defensive coordinator. Again, that's just my read on it. I do think the door is open enough that you set, like you mentioned, he could come back and serve as an assistant head coach or as an advisor for the bills. He is beloved in that locker room and with that coaching staff, maybe it felt like it was time for things to shake up. And I know that there's plays that get shared on social media and everybody scratches their head of like, why are you doing this against the Bengals? And why was this a good idea? And at the end of the year, the defense really did not look the same as they did when they had Von Miller, like totally get that. But Leslie Frazier has earned and should get a lot of respect for what he has accomplished, both as a player and as a coach. So I don't think they're shutting the door on Frazier. I feel like this is their way of let's figure this out within this next, you know, couple months here. If you want to come back, we would be glad to have you, but we can't just hold your job for a year. Because no, if there's two things that are going to happen, one, they're just going to have Holcomb do it with McDermott really, really involved or two, they're going to go hire somebody, but I don't think you're going to get a great pool of candidates. If you're like, Hey, we're hiring you for an interim one year job. And then we're going to figure out where we go from here. Like, I just don't think, I think you're eliminating way too many candidates that would be interested in the job. So that's why to me, I just don't think Frazier is back as a defensive coordinator, but I could totally see him back as an advisor or an assistant head coach, maybe a, a higher end position coach, something like that. Well, there are two more options, actually. Number one is they could hire somebody else from inside the building, like Eric Washington, someone like that who's on staff. But maybe the more plausible ending here is, and, sh- and Brandon Bean basically said this is possible, that Sean McDermott winds up as the de facto DC, the play caller. He did not rule that out. He said, Sean's going to run the defense for the time being. And then they might go outside or inside. They might hire somebody or he said that he might call the defensive plays next year. So that possibility exists, which I find super interesting. Do you remember a time? I feel like there have been moments over their tenure where Sean has called plays 
The only time I know and remember for sure was the second half of Josh's first start, the Vontae Davis game against the Chargers. Uh, That happened because they'd been destroyed the previous week. They were getting killed at halftime. That happened. And then the next week, Frazier took it back over in Minnesota when the Bills had that big upset. So, but they admitted to that at that point. Like Sean said, I called the plays in the second half of that Broncos game. Uh, Chargers game. Yes. He Chargers said, game. Chargers he, game. He, he said his wording was something along the lines of, I just felt we needed different eyes on it. And, you know, Leslie and I, you know, it really helped us get back on the same page or something like that. If it's, if this is what they're going to do, I don't think anybody is questioning if Sean McDermott can step in and do that role and how it's going to, you know, impact his day-to-day duties, because I, I think that you can manage that. I think there's something oddly commendable about kind of taking it and saying like, this is on me now. Like we've done this for a long time. I love it. Yeah. Like we've, we've tried this and it hasn't worked and I'm going to be the one that makes it work. And if I fail, then that's ultimately on me because there's going to be more pressure if they go into this year and Sean McDermott is the person who's calling plays or he's really, really involved in the defense and they don't go hire a full-time defensive coordinator. He is going to get more praise or or more criticism than he has gotten in years past for so long. Sean has kind of gotten a pass because of what this team has been able to accomplish. It's really impressive. All of these trips to the playoffs after the drought, what this team has been able to kind of, they've turned themselves into one of the better franchises in the, or in the NFL compared to what was not that long ago, kind of an afterthought, but that comes with pressure. It's like the whole with great power comes great responsibility thing. You're going to take over the defense. It better be good. Because that's supposed to be your bread and butter. And if it's not, that's an indictment on you. I love it. I I couldn't agree more. Thought the same thing when the news broke. Um, I had already been on WGR once in the morning. And then um, Howard said, hey, can you come back on and talk about it? And it's a point I made. And I agree with you, which is, boy, you know, Sean puts himself under that microscope. That's a that's a pretty that's a leap of faith in himself, but also willing to put himself under that pressure, as you just put it and saying, I'm going to, we're going to do this. And he knows if it doesn't work out, that's ultimately on him. So it's going to be really interesting to see where they go from here. Um, If they do go to Al Holcomb or Eric Washington or someone else, if it's not Sean McDermott, I would tell you this. I still don't expect any huge schematical changes. That doesn't mean you can't tweak things, can't do things different, different times. I can't see any sort of huge schematical change in the defense, regardless who's running it. As long as Sean McDermott's the head coach, unless we have an overhaul of personnel, which I don't think they're going to, but I think the defense could look different if you don't have Tremaine Edmonds. And if you don't have Jordan Poyer, like I think that there's a lot of that, what they do that's catered to both of those players. And it's what a coin toss at best that, one of them is back. I don't think there's a scenario where both of them are back. So I, I agree. I think their philosophies are going to be pretty similar, but I think if your personnel changes, then maybe the defense will look a little bit different because you're going to have different things where you're going to have to lean on and other things that maybe aren't as good, especially in the secondary. But it's not like they're going to go from all of a sudden be a oh, no, no, man no. press team all the time. You know, that's no, 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 they're, they're not they're going to Rex s- Ryan's defense anytime soon. No, absolutely not. Like Taron Johnson is still going to be right. on the field every single play and right. probably that's not right. going to be rolling out three linebackers here and there. Okay. So yeah, I, I agree with you. In yeah. That and, and, and of course, you know, those things will be tweaked as far as maybe, and look, I think part of it, Matt is that the game evolves and this has been, let's just give a lot of credit to Leslie Frazier, what he has done here in Buffalo. They're top 10, top five, top one or two defense every single year that he's been in charge with Sean McDermott in Buffalo. He's an excellent defensive coach. 
but you have all these great receivers and quarterbacks now that they're facing on a weekly basis and in their conference. And it just seemed at times, you know, they would give up too much. They play Ben don't break, but they bent a little bit too much. They go against the Cincinnati Bengals in the playoffs. We see that they don't get up in their faces and do what the Kansas city chiefs did the following week. And I just, I have said since the end of the season, it might be time for another set of eyes to come in and look at it. And it appears as though maybe the bills are thinking the same thing in some sort of way. Let's close out this segment with this one question. It's pretty basic question. You can take it a lot of different ways. Do you think the bills are better suited for next season with today's news? Do you think that you have more faith or less faith in their defense moving forward after finding out today that Frazier will not be their defensive coordinator? It's a really good question. Um, I don't know if I want to say more or less. Um, It's certainly, I'll say it this way. I think they have an opportunity to have more faith. Me to have more faith. I want to see where this goes. I do feel like they were in a bit of a stagnated period here after not getting to their goals and you had to make a change. So from that aspect, I'd say they now have opportunity to be better. I think one of the things that I thought about today, because that stagnant point is a good one. I always think about hockey. That's just kind of the way I'm wired. And I think back to when the Sabres fired Lindy Ruff. I don't think at that point, anybody thought Lindy Ruff was a bad coach. I think it's just the course kind of played itself out in both sides needed a change of scenery. And now look what he's doing. You know, he's with the devils and they're one of the best teams in the NHL, like good for him. And I think Sabres fans are happy for that. If Leslie Frazier goes on to be a successful coach somewhere else, I think Bill's fans will be happy for him. I think that he's absolutely capable of doing that. And I do believe that he's a good coach. But after a while, even though their defense statistically was always top five, top 10, and all of these different categories, I never felt like they were as good as the numbers said that they were. That's just kind of, I don't know. That's just kind of how I felt about them. I I felt like they were a little bit of paper tigers on defense at times. And when they needed a big stop, if it wasn't Von Miller, they often did not get it. I just think back to like the Minnesota game with the Justin Jefferson catch. Like what? They gave up so many big plays in that game. You let Delvin cook run 80 yards for a touchdown to get him back into the game. It's just, there are times that they did some really nice things, but the most recent memories I have of the bills are getting beat pretty bad by the Bengals and getting lit up by not lit up the Skylar Thompson game, like the defense was better in that game than the numbers indicate that they were, but they scored some points. I know that was a lot on the offense, but Hey, you know what? Wipe that comment because the defense was actually pretty good. in that game. <laughs> All right. Well, let's talk about the offense here on it's always game day in Buffalo. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Check planning for what's next and how to save for it. That's where bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So Matt, one of the things that Brandon Bean also said, two things, 
we could start with receiver and then we can go to O-line or do it the other way. But let's start with Gabe Davis. He said he has all the confidence in Gabe Davis being the number two wide receiver on this team. While I don't doubt that, I'll also point out that he pretty much said he has all the confidence in the team's pass rush last year before they went and signed Von Miller to six years and $120 million. So take it for what it's worth. I do think they're going to add to the wide receiver group, but where are you on Gabe Davis and what his role can be and how much they need to add and, you know, having him as the number two or bringing someone in to push him down the depth chart. I am very okay with Gabe Davis being a two a, if they go out and get a two B or a two B, if they go out and get a two a, I think that that's a role that he can thrive in. I like his skill set. One of the things, excuse me, that Brandon mentioned at the combine was that he was injured week two with an ankle injury and it lingered all year. And he thinks that that kind of limited him at times. Maybe that's well, I believe he missed week two. He was injured in week one, right? Yeah, he missed the Tennessee game. That's right. Yeah, he missed the Tennessee game. So did, was that a practice injury or did he get injured against the Rams? He, yeah, he got hurt. If you remember, he got hurt in the walkthrough. He got, he came yeah. down, he came down wrong or got stepped on or something happened to his foot uh-huh. and he got injured in the walkthrough. Like well, on listen, Saturday. I've always been a Gabe Davis, you know, truther, lead the hype train, all that kind of stuff. I think he's a really good player. And I think that he does have a really solid long-term trajectory, whether it's with the bills or if he goes out, he has a great year and then he gets paid a ton of money to go somewhere else. I think though, that they still need somebody else. I think that they need, I'm not saying that this is who they need, but Emmanuel Sanders was effective. And then at the end of the season, he lost it a little bit. And you're like, why isn't Gabe out on the fields more? But that still was a viable option for the offense that other teams had to really, really worry about. I would like to see this team go out, draft a wide receiver early that can make an immediate impact, go out and sign a free agent that you think can be somebody who's one of your top four guys who's on the field a lot. I think that Gabe's got a really solid potential, but I still think they need help elsewhere. Agreed with all of that. And I, and I think they will target that position here in the off season. And I think that could come in a variety of ways. I, I think it's open to anything free agent, Okay, so what, you got uh, like a Jacoby Myers? Would they go that route? I'm not sure. It might be a little too expensive. He's one of the top guys in the market, but you have other guys out there. Trade? Could you do something like that? Is there a team out there that maybe mm-hmm. you guys have fallen out of favor? You think that, hey, we have something. We have a player. We have uh, we have picks, whatever. And, of course, draft. Get a guy in a rookie contract, a, a you know cheaper contract. The way the draft is setting up, it looks like you might get some of the better receivers pushing down the board because a lot of the teams ahead of the bills teams took receivers the last couple of years. They already have guys um, and they're looking for other options, other positions. So I do think they will add to that position and it will help. What about Odell Beckham jr? He's still out there. Is that something you would entertain right now to be maybe a solution here? Absolutely. Unequivocally. Yes. Ah, that's, that's just me. Yes or no. I know. I know that I was trying to get everybody to hang on for a second there. I think that it, it depends on the contract, but if it's a couple year deal, I don't see the harm. I know that there's sometimes drama that follows him. And I understand that, you know, the Cleveland stop was not successful, but I think back to that first half of the Rams game in the Super Bowl when he was unbelievable, he almost, you know, him and Aaron Donalds really, really took over that game, especially him in the first half. I think that he's got gas left in the tank. I think that him having that entire year off last year will kind of, you know, take some of the tread off of those tires. And I think that he's got some seasons where he can be effective still. It just all depends on the cost. Like if Odell Beckham is trying to go out and get a contract where he's going to get paid a ton of money, then no, it's not a smart decision. But if Odell Beckham is realistic and says, okay, 
I'm going to go sign a one or two year deal somewhere where I think I can have a strong season, almost like different caliber of player, but almost like Juju Smith Schuster did this year. Juju Smith Schuster, I don't think maybe got as much interest as he thought he was going to get. So he went out and signed with a really, really great team and then went out and went, a, went on to win a Super Bowl. And now he's one of, once again, the top free agent op- options. He's probably going to stay in Kansas City. But if you're Odell, may- maybe you take a bet on yourself. He's made so much money with football and with endorsements and all of that kind of stuff. You can take a gamble for a couple million dollars to go to a team where you think that you can fit and to kind of reestablish yourself as one of the better playmakers in the league. And, you know, he'll obviously have options around the league. If there were teams that were interested even before the season ended, now there'll be probably more teams that'll be interested. We'll see how all that plays out. Then Brandon Bean talked about the offensive line. I thought it was very interesting. Like paraphrasing here, he had, he said something along the lines of that will be something they'll look at for. Let me get actually the actual quote here. I want to get the actual quote here because I thought it was really interesting how he said it. But Matt, what he said was, as I grab it, that it kind of sounded to me like that is a bigger priority this off season than wide receiver. Um, here is what he said. He said, we want, we, we're going to look there before we look to the playmakers. That's on investing in the offensive line. Yeah. Very interesting. I think there's something to be said about that. Offensive line was not great. I know that he did not rule out bringing back Roger Saffold. I don't think it would be, you know, for nearly as much money as Roger Saffold got last year, if that's something that they were right. interested in doing, Agreed. maybe he's a guy, maybe he's, you know, a break class, break glass in case of an emergency sixth guy, seventh guy. But I don't think you want to roll out with him as a starter again. I think the only people who are probably guaranteed to come back as starters are Deion Dawkins, Mitch Morse, and then I would say Ryan Bates. I think there's a lot of areas that they can improve. So, yeah, I and I do think that if you make the offensive line better, everybody else gets a little bit better. It's one of those things where it's like, you know, it's the same thing. It's such a complimentary game. You know, you get better wide receivers, the quarterback gets better then the running game gets better. Cause you got to worry about, it. but I truly do believe that the offensive line was one of the biggest things holding the bills back this past season, especially at the end. Yeah. And the Eagles are a great example of this, right? I mean, they were just so good on the offensive and defensive lines and it just made everybody on their team a lot better. I think it's really interesting how much he talks up Spencer Brown. He's been talking up Spencer Brown a lot. He did it again at the combine yeah. and either it's like, they really believe in Spencer Brown or it's something to try to throw you off the scent of them, maybe going out and trying to take a swing at a, a right tackle. Maybe I, I, I feel like the best case scenario for the bills is to go out and get a guard. Like that would be the area that I would think would be the most. And I know that maybe that's not as important of a position as tackle is, I think what you do is you go out and you invest big time in a guard, whether that's in th- this is not like an original map of idea. This is something that I actually had a really long conversation um, with Joe Biscalia from the athletic about, about trying to find somebody who is a guard who eventually could potentially play center to replace Mitch Morris. If ultimately he ends up, you know, deciding that he wants to retire down the road or whatever. But I think I would invest big time in a guard. And then I would find a right tackle who can compete with Spencer Brown. And then it's just like whatever player is out there, they're the guy who's going to win the competition. And then, you know, you've got a pretty solid backup if the competition goes the way you think it's going to. And it's pretty close back and forth. So well, are like, those players you just described maybe already on the roster and Ike Butker and David Questenberry? 
I don't think so. I don't think David Questenberry is good enough to really, I think if David Questenberry was good enough to really compete with Spencer Brown, then he probably would have played more this past season. Ike Butker is a different story, but I feel like Ike Butker is one of those perfect candidates to kind of be your number six because injuries are going to happen yep. like every single year. So the sixth offensive line job, especially for a guy like Ike Butker, who's pretty versatile is still a relevant position on this team because chances are he's going to probably play in a lot of games, whether it's in, whether it's a guard or whether it's at center. So I, I think baseline, you got to go get a guard and you just put Ryan Bates at whatever spot because this year was right. Last year was left. Whatever spot is kind of available. I think that he did an okay job. Agreed. And then you, and you also and they're need, paying him pretty good money. I mean, they matched that, that RFA deal from Chicago a year ago too. And so he, it's not like you're just going to move on from Ryan Bates and let me reset for the fans to know they have five pending free agents on the offensive line, Saffold, Questenberry, Butker, Greg Van Roten and Bobby Hart. And I'll say it this way. You can say, just let them all go. Well, guess what? You're just going to sign guys like them anyway. Those are the kinds yeah. of guys that you're, they're all going to be the same kinds of guys you bring in. So I wouldn't be surprised to see most of not all of them back of all of the guys you mentioned. I think the biggest priority would be on Butker. Would you agree with that? Yes. And I think that by them re-signing Butker a year ago, knowing he wouldn't play for a while, mm-hmm. basically was an indication that they wanted to keep him in their building, doing everything because they had more long-term plans. I'd be surprised if they didn't go resign Ike Butker. They'll get him back for a minimum deal. It's easy. And you know what? Another player that I think people might kind of go, whoa, at, but of the other players you mentioned, I think there's a chance Bobby Hart comes back too. Sure. He's the you extra know, guy. They used yeah. him a lot last year. They used him a lot last year. And for what he's going to cost you, I think that does make a lot of sense. They like that he's been in their system for a couple mm-hmm. years now. He He's also a little bit versatile. Like there's things that he can do. So that's the name of the game with the offensive line. It's got to be better. I Like I've told you so many times, I saw a mock draft this morning and the Bills were getting a running back, you know, B. John Robinson from Texas. And I know a bunch of people will scoff at the idea of a running back in the first round. I don't care as long as it's somebody on offense, make your offense better, whether it's a wide receiver, a running back, an offensive lineman, even a tight, I don't care. As long as it's somebody on offense, I think that's what this team needs to be focusing on moving forward. All right. Before we wrap up the segment, uh, because we have to at least discuss it, any changed feelings on Tremaine Edmonds and or Jordan Poyer and what, might happen or what are your feelings right now as we sit here as we record on the very last day of February, 15 days before NFL free agency begins. I feel a little less confident that Jordan Poyer has a chance of coming back just from some of the interviews and the thing about, I want to go to a place where they don't take half your money with taxes. Like, I feel like that's somebody who is kind of already moving the, you know, turning the page, unless there's not a better option out there. Still think Jermaine Edmonds is probably the bigger priority just based off of his age and based off of, you know, his trajectory that he's going on. He had a really, really strong year. They're going to have to re- rework some contracts though, to make that happen. I mean, you know, Which they, being you, said they will do they, They're going to yes. restructure. I mean, I think Josh, the top candidate, he could restructure Von Miller. They could clear $30 million just by doing those two guys. I think, let me ask you this. I don't know if you guys ever talked about this on the extra point show. Do you buy anything into the Stefan Diggs potentially trading him thing from a couple weeks ago with Florio and pro football talk? No, it would literally cost the bills over $30 million of dead cap to trade Stefan Diggs. It's not happening. 
Okay. I agree with you completely. I was one of those things that I looked at, I rolled my eyes and I just continued to scroll. It's just something that people are going to talk about because of what happened towards the end of the year, the body language, all those different uh, stories. There's been nothing on that last couple of weeks. Stefan doing a couple of interviews during the Super Bowl about playing with his brother, things like that. Th- this is what happens during the off season, but I do not buy any of that. I, I would be, I don't know how you would do it unless you literally tore up his contract, gave him a new one and traded him. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> oh, I mean, what does that look like? I'm not really sure. So I don't think anything um, with that on Edmonds. I still think I'm feeling less confident on Edmonds than I have. Really? Interesting. Yeah, but, but I still think there's a chance to do it. Cause there's a, there's a path by giving him a longer deal because of his age and spreading the money out. But he made comments at the Super Bowl about, you know, yeah, yeah. You know, to let the process play out and really thank Buffalo for what they've done to start my career. And it just seemed like a guy like, okay, well maybe he's off somewhere else, but I'm a little less confident. I still think they could do it. And it might work out, but on Poyer, um, I've never been truly confident they're going to keep him. I've always felt he's going to be playing somewhere else next year. Unless the only way I see Jordan Poyer back at this point is if the bo- both sides go, we really, we're better with each other than without each other. How about a one-year deal to keep this thing back for one more year with Micah? That's the only way. Otherwise, I think he might be a Miami Dolphin. Yeah, I don't. I said the same thing to a friend the other day. I was like. I could see him signing with Miami and I could see he lives there. I know it makes it convenient. It's easy, but they do have Holland. Who's really good safety. Like, are you going to invest that much money into that position? Given all of the other money you have, like that you're going to have to spend elsewhere. It's true. Tampa, Jacksonville. He's, he's going to be in Florida somewhere, right? He's going to be one of the Florida teams, Florida, Texas. It feels like those dead feels Dallas. I don't know about Dallas. Um, yeah, he's an interesting one. One of the names that was thrown out there for Tremaine Edmonds, I don't know if it was like Barnwell or if it was somebody else over at ESPN. They said the Lions makes the most sense for Tremaine yeah, I Edmonds. I saw that too. And I, I kind of dig that that fit. I mean, if it's not going to be in Buffalo, I feel like he could really thrive with like Dan Campbell as his coach. All right. Let's uh, answer some questions from listeners and tweeters. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey, it's Sal Capaccio from It's Always Game Day in Buffalo. It's not just a podcast. It's the 25th hour of your day, your weekly source for all things Buffalo Bills. Right on time, your time. In the car, navigate the streets with NFL wisdom in your ear. We accompany every errand you need to run. Washing the windows or vacuuming the carpets? Don't just clean, conquer. Podcasts make you more productive because we fit perfectly into your schedule. Follow It's Always Game Day in Buffalo in the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Matt, before we answer questions from listeners and tweeters, go back about a week ago, I told you I was going down to Tampa for the Sabres lightning game. What a game. It was amazing. It was a great game. We took a picture with Dave Anderchuk. There's a Dave Anderchuk statue outside him holding the cup up. Dave Anderchuk. Yeah. Picture. And then we went inside, took a picture with the real Dave Anderchuk, which was really Oh, that's cool. Were you planning on taking the picture with the real Dave Anderchuk? Did you know he was there? Um, I knew he was there. And, um, know him through a mutual friend and happened to see him. And I had 
I, I've communicated with Dave and he didn't really know who I was. I'm like, Hey, Sal Capaccio. like, Oh, Sal, how are you? So that was cool. So we got a picture. It was really nice. Um, but what was interesting was they have the largest video board I've ever seen for a hockey game. And I do think it's the largest in the NHL. I'm not positive. Yeah. On this video board, they did not show a single replay of one of the Sabres goals. Maybe out of sight, out of mind. Maybe they don't want to bring up bad memories, I guess. it's That's weird. No, but, but... isn't that odd? Because if you go to KeyBank Center, oh, yeah. they're playing the Rangers, and the Rangers score, you see the replay. Yeah, which I think you would want to do from just a game presentation I, standpoint. Like That right? kind of makes sense, because I think if you're sitting there, maybe you don't have the best angle, and you're going a better angle if you see it on you know the actual scoreboard, um, unless you're at KeyBank Center, because the scoreboard's so small, and you still really can't see anything. Um, I just thought it was odd, and I don't know if that's normal around the league, or I don't think it's normal, but I don't know. I don't go to all these arenas, but I thought it was odd, but it gets me to an actual football and Bill's point. Did you see the renderings of the new Bill Stadium, the new ones that are out, and what did you think? I did. I thought they looked good. You know, I, I'm not an architect, so <laughs> I am basically looking at these pictures and going, that looks cool. That's crazy to me that that's going to be an orchard park. Everybody has a different opinion. You know, I feel like you can look at renderings and like them and also still have opinions on the stadium and whether or not it should be downtown or it should be an orchard park or whether or not, you know, there's so much taxpayer money should be involved. Like I'm not getting into any of that stuff. I'm just saying, I thought the renderings look cool. It's going to be cool to watch football games in a newer stadium. I mean, we've gone to a lot. Of, how, have you been to every stadium? All but three would have gone to all of three, all of the other three had we gone on the road for COVID because it was yep. Vegas where the bills played. Yep. It was San Francisco where the bills were supposed to play, but it got moved. And it was Arizona where the bills played twice that year. Yep. So those are the only three I have not attended yet. So I've been, I'm upwards of 20. I don't exactly know the number. So I've been to more of them that I have not been to. I grew up going to games at Highmark stadium at Ralph Wilson stadium, new era field, all of yep. those different things. The atmosphere in Buffalo is unbelievable. Doesn't matter what stadium you're in. The atmosphere is awesome. The stadium itself has certainly seen better days. Yep. So I think a new stadium is cool. I think that that's exciting. I think that it's going to be cool. Like I know the joke was made by a lot of people with the renderings. There were players on the scoreboard or on the field and the renderings and you go, Oh, like I think they moved like Bates over to a different position. And Mitch Morris was like, Oh, does this mean he's switching spots this year or something? Um, but it's going to be cool to see which players are parts of the teams that are in one stadium and then ultimately translate into the next stadium. Like Josh, like Josh will be one of those people. Yeah, it'll be very cool. That's all from Frank Lloyd, Matt Bovey, right? The architect. <laughs> yeah, we, it was a, <laughs> uh, it was very art deco. The design. I was pretty impressed <laughs> with the uh, contemporary edges that they used. I don't know any of this stuff. I, like literally I'm like, yeah, it looks cool. I, I am excited to go to London next year and yep. see the Tottenham stadium because I do feel like there's kind of a lot of similarities between the two of them. And with populist, the company that they hired and everything, that was the big talking point last year at the owner's meetings. And that was already almost a year ago. I, I don't think it's a coincidence that they're playing at Tottenham next year. Uh, it's partly to give fans a glimpse of what that stadium looks like and what the bills might be, uh, will be playing in starting in 2026. What else we got for questions? All right. So let's start with a fun one. This is from coach KGB sock, sock, shoe, shoe, or sock, shoe, sock, shoe. How do you put your footwear on? It's a great question. I am totally sock, sock, shoe, shoe guy. Same. 
And I don't know if there's people who are one at a time. I've never heard of that. I mean, even asking that question, I'm not sure. Yeah. Like, so like that, if, that would, that's a weird question to ask. I wouldn't think differently, but who knows? You want to hear a weird one? I sleep with my socks on and people tell me that I'm nuts. Yeah, I don't. I, I will if my feet are super cold, but normally not. I actually heard an urban legend when I was younger. If you sleep with your socks on, you have bad dreams. Really? Yeah. That explains the last 30 years of my life, Sal. There you go. <laughs> Maybe you should try without it to see if you can sleep better. Yeah, let's see here. Uh, this is from John. Do you or Sal think Kenny Galladay would be a good foot? It sounds like he's getting I, released from the Giants. I was a very big Kenny Galladay fan, but he just can't stay healthy and has not performed. So I loved him when he was with the uh, Lions. Hey, if the Bills feel he can get here, come here and be the best version of himself and stay healthy, that might be a guy you can get for a – that might be a – a reclamation project, if you want to call it that, and could be a really risky but high reward guy. Listen, if Kenny Galladay comes to Buffalo and signs a $2 million contract, I love it. If Kenny Galladay comes to Buffalo right. and signs a $6 million contract, I think there's money that they could have spent elsewhere and it doesn't make much sense. So that's kind of how I feel about Kenny Galladay. Uh, this one is from Brad, and it's actually something that uh, Brandon Bean addressed today. Do the Bills expect DeMar Hamlin to play football again? And it certainly sounds like they do. Now, they're not putting any rush or any timeline on it, but it's the way they're talking. It feels like both sides would hope that he's on a football field again at some point. He said, Brandon Bean's comment was that DeMar's plan is to play again if he's cleared to play. He wants to do that. Let's see. Uh, what other questions do we have? <laughs> Nothing really that's appropriate. Is a hot dog a sandwich? That's from Jeff. Remember that? Uh, yeah, that was from years ago. So I have a, a fun one to wrap with if you want to, that I just thought of because of the sock, sock, shoe, shoe thing that I was thinking about this the other day. And I'm like, I guess I could ask Matt Bove that question. All right. Let's, let's go let's, out to all the listeners. Okay. Let's do it. Okay. Now this also has a bit of a history. This question. Have you ever read parade magazine and Marilyn Voss savant savant I've, Marilyn Voss savant is her name. No, Marilyn Voss Savant is a parade magazine. I don't know if she still does it. And every week on a Sunday parade magazine, when I was younger, um, I would read it. People would write in really interesting, odd questions that she would answer. Mm -hmm. And some, and then there'd also be some math questions, but there'd be some philosophical ones. I just thought it was super interesting. And she said one time that nothing got more engagement from this one question she got that I'm like, are you kidding me? And I thought about it the other day. So I'm going to ask you this same question. So it's not my original question, but I still am fascinated by it. Which way, Matthew Bove, should the toilet paper roll go? Oh. The toilet paper comes over the top or down through the bottom? Okay. So I mentioned on the podcast a couple of weeks ago, this is a funny conversation. That you, it's a funny question that you asked. So we've been having work done at our house. We're getting yeah. bathrooms that are redone. In our old bathrooms... We had a toilet paper mount like physically on the wall. Yep. Okay. Once we got the bathrooms redone, we didn't want to screw up the walls. We just did all this work. So we went out and bought new toilet paper holders that are basically like a little basket that goes into a hook. And then you put the toilet paper on the top and then you store the rest of the toilet paper, you know, down in the little basket. Got area. it. Easy to remove. You don't have to take anything out of it. You don't have to pull the things apart. Nothing like that. Exactly. But because it's now in a new spot where the wall was the fan, the vent on the ground, blowing the hot air coming into the room. Now, all when I do, and I look in the room, I see the toilet paper kind of flapping in the wind. 
And I can tell you that it's flapping because we go over the top. Okay. Toilet paper over the top. I understand both arguments to be made, but every time I've done it, it's always been, you know, like when it was in the wall, you take it off the wall, you put the little plastic thing in there and then it's over the top. Okay. So the crazy part about it is I'm asking this question, but I don't have a preference. I just take the toilet paper and put it on whichever way it is. It is. I don't even think about it, but once it's on, I think about how it is. And I think about this question all the time when I see it, I'm like, well, is that the way it's supposed to be? What do other people think? If you go over the top like you, I think that's the easier way to pull. But if you go from the bottom, I think that's the easier way to pull off and get the sheet that you want because you're just going and ripping it like a piece of paper a little bit easier instead of maybe pulling it back to you're holding the top to rip it. I guess it's a preference of what you find more convenient. What are you more worried? Right. You know, are, what are you trying to accomplish? I will say as somebody who goes over the top, there are times when I pull the toilet paper and it, you know, comes fluttering down and there's mm. way too much of it. And then you got to redo it and then rip it off. But then Can't it's that happen perfect. the other way too, though. Yeah. But in your, in your argument, and what you're saying is that if it goes under, maybe it's easier to rip off. Maybe that doesn't happen as often. Is. I, I have one of the paper holder compartments that's the same way, and we go over on the paper towels. Oh, okay. So it's like one of the ones like under yeah, a cabinet yeah, and yeah, like yeah. hangs like, you know, Yeah, we don't. We have it. Ours is like vertically. A, Ours is vertical. I just kind of, you know, it's just like a, a stand. Like when you go to a restaurant, kind of, it sits on the table and not mounted on the wall. That's can, I, can I say a real like adult thing? Maybe I'm just like late to the party here and this has been something that people talk. Paper towels are way too expensive. Oh yeah, they are for sure. Um, like you go get like a 12 pack of paper towels. It's costing you like $20, maybe more. Yeah. And I, I think that's one of those items though, where if you can get the cheaper brand, the better, like, don't even worry. Why do you care? Like most paper towels, you might have to use a couple more to do the job. But if you can get a much cheaper brand, I think a paper towel is the kind of thing you do that with. I agree with you to an extent. So we have a very different philosophical idea of, you know, paper towels in my house. Like my wife is like that. If I'm like, we need a couple of paper, a couple paper towels, she will go buy three rolls that cost 80 cents each. But they're so paper thin that they don't do anything. I am always like, let's go to the grocery store and buy the pre-packed big variety of them because that way you're saving a little bit more money, or at least in my head, I'm saving more money. Yeah, paper towels are just expensive. I don't know why I got to that, but it's just kind of a ripoff. <laughs> From Leslie Frazier to paper towels and toilet paper, we cover it all here on It's Always Game Day in Buffalo. All right, Matt Bove, Channel 7, WKBW. What do you guys got coming up? I know you got combine coverage going on. Bree's out there in Indy, right? Yeah, Bree's out there in Indy. She's at the Combine. We'll be out there for the week. Obviously, the Sabres are doing their thing back here, so it's kind of a fun time for it's. It's a fun time after a really, you know, slow month sports-wise. There's not a ton that happens at the end of oh, hold on. This is a Jacob Chikrin update. Oh boy, we could have, we could be starting a whole new podcast here. No, he's on the ice for morning skate. Sorry. So I was in the middle of like kind of monitoring that. Um, See, that's the middle of the trade deadline here for the NHL. We're talking. Yes. Yeah, so Saturday, this upcoming Saturday, one of the busiest days 
on like the local sports calendar because you have section final games for high school basketball at Buff State. You've got regional games at Harbor Center for the local hockey teams. Then you've got the Sabres playing the Lightning on Saturday. And then when you mix in combine week, there's going to be plenty of Bills talk. So it's a, a very hectic time. And then you've got college basketball teams wrapping up their conference play as they get ready for conference tournaments. Okay, I literally have two minutes. I forgot to ask you this question. I wanted to. I brought it up with Joe DiBiase. You're a great person to ask. Do you like? Do you go on like water slides, roller coasters, thrill rides, things like that? Yeah, everything. Okay. Well, we went to Orlando for our vacation. Went to the Gaylord Palms Hotel. They have a big water slide yep. water park there. And at the top of one, they have this thing where I believe Darien Lake has it called the Brain Drain. I went up there and I refused to go on after seeing it, and I, I felt like such a chump. And they literally put you in a capsule and enclose you. And it says three, two, one, and the floor comes out from below you and you shoot down. Yeah. Are you, are you good with that? Yeah, there's there's honestly not much I, I, I won't do it. There's not much I won't do. My threshold for that stuff is a little so when I was a news reporter, I flew with the United yeah. States Thunderbirds as I a story. Do I'd do that. So see, those are the kinds of things like I'm with two I'm riding with someone who is a professional and not gonna let me die. Yeah, but you're on a slide. They're not going to make the slide if somebody's going to die. I know that, but it's like, it's just me. And this thing is like, there's some kid operating the thing. Three, two, one, the thing opens up and I go down. I don't know. I would. I think the only thing that I wouldn't do, I would skydive. I haven't, but I would skydive. I would not do the thing where you like, but you're on like a bungee jump and you like free fall and then it like catches you. And then you pull back up that to me. Don't like the, the idea of that snapping to me is way more yes. scary than like a parachute, not operating. That's why I won't bungee jump. Yeah. I don't like bungee, a regular I bungee jump. I won't do it, but I have, I have skydove. Oh, did you? Yes. And it was one of the most amazing things I've ever did. One of the scariest things I ever did in my life. I don't think I'll ever do it again, but I'm so glad I did it. <laughs> think about that sentence that you have been skydiving, but you would not go on the water slide at the hotel in Florida. Kind of weird. I think I'll do it next time. I just, it was weird. I'm like, <laughs> I don't know, man, this thing is dropping me straight down, but you're right. Yeah. Kind of weird. All right. Well, yeah. We'll have to talk about more, more about this next time. Wish we had more time for it, but yeah. So we had to talk about the bills today. All right. Catch me on WGR sports radio, five fifty, at sales sports at Matt underscore Bove on Twitter. Shoot us any comments you have. And of course, download, subscribe, like, and give us a nice review on it's on. It's always game day in Buffalo.